I feel like I've gone back in time 20 years this morning. Dr. Geisler at the organ, Nancy Jessup leading Spirit Bells, and many former professors and even some classmates here gathered today. God's grace, peace, and mercy be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our consideration this morning is John chapter 14. And by the way, Pastor Anderson, thank you very much for the idea because uh, when I found out a couple of months ago that this is the uh, the direction that you were going to be taking uh, chapel services, I decided to use the I Am statements for my Lenten series at Trinity and Whittier. So thank you. We're born with a sense of place. We're born into a family, into a community, into a nation. We have a geography, something that locates us on a particular GPS coordinates that we occupy. We're not made to wander aimlessly. When God made Adam and Eve, he didn't just have them roam over the face of the earth. He put them in a place, an ordered place, a garden. The Garden of Eden was Adam and Eve's place, the place where humanity was most like God reflecting his image to the creation, enjoying the fruits of the creation, walking with God in the cool of the day. Sin, however, displaced us. It drove us from the garden. It took us from the place where we were most at home and set us in a hostile wilderness of weeds and sweat and pain and death. Sin took away our place and drove us into lostness. We're not at home. We're lost. We're longing for a home, a place that we can't seem to find. We're restless. We move from one place to another, hoping, longing, and searching for that place called home, that garden place that we can once again be ourselves, but we can't seem to find. We are, as it were, on something of a camping trip in the wilderness of this life, living in an earthly tent, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. And that's where the difference is. It's the difference between a temporal tent and an eternal dwelling. So long as we're living in a temporal tent in the wilderness of this life, living in this world, we'll be restless and not at home. Now the tent of which Paul speaks in 1 Corinthians is not the body, but he's, he, say, he says to be alive is to be in the body. We are creatures of body and soul, spiritual creatures within a body. When the body and the spirit are separated, we're dead, not alive. That's the definition of death, the separation of body and soul or spirit. To be alive is to be in the body. Eternal life is in the body. That's why we confess, when we confess the Apostles' Creed, we say we believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. First, the resurrection of the body, and before that, the death of the body, and then the life everlasting in a body that is suited to dwell in eternity. Now we live in a temporary tent, a temporary home. Then we will live in a house built by God. An eternal home, a spiritual body, as Paul, St. Paul calls it in 1 Corinthians 15. A home eternal in the heavens. Then we will truly have our place again in the fullness of the fullest sense of place. 
then we will be at home with the Lord. When you think about it, living life in this world, there's a lot of groaning that goes on. Paul speaks about living life as groaning. He says the wages of sin is death, and sin always puts out its wages. This groaning is also a spiritual groaning, longing to be free from sin, but being unable to free yourself. It's the longing for peace, for love, for justice, that seems to be unattainable in this life. And it is unattainable precisely because our old Adam, that is our old sinful flesh, works against it. Jesus, you might recall in our reading, told the disciples on the eve of his death that he was going to prepare a place for them. Their hearts were troubled. They were afraid. Jesus had warned them of, the impe- of his impending death. Their future was uncertain. They had left their jobs, their families, and their homes to follow him. And that journey seemed to be coming to a very bad end. Jesus' word to them is faith. Trust God. Trust me. He told them that he was going to prepare a place for them in his father's home. He would come back again and take them along so that that they would be where he is. Now Jesus was speaking of his, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension by which he took on our humanity through death to resurrection to glory. That was the way, the only way to come to the place that is truly home. You know the way to where I am going, Jesus said. But the disciples didn't know the way. Well, they knew it because Jesus had taught them, but they refused to believe it. They didn't want to hear it. They were like we are, death deniers, not willing to see that the only way to life is to die and to rise. There's no way to improve this humanity of ours, not by genetic engineering or by a million years of evolution, if such a thing were possible. Sin is inherent in humanity, and so is death. If sin and death are going to be destroyed, they must be destroyed in the flesh, our human flesh. And so that's where Jesus comes in. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He stands uniquely between the creator and the creature, between the father and fallen humanity. He is God of the essence of his father, and he is also man of his mother, born of born true human, born of our bones and flesh of our flesh. And so he stands at the breach as the only mediator between God and humanity. In his flesh, our flesh is redeemed. In in his flesh, our sin is put to death. Death is destroyed, and the law of God is filled to the fullness with his sinless life and death. There is no other man who can claim to be God and not be lying. There is no other man who can mediate between God and man and who can reconcile a fallen world to the Father. There is no one in this world other than Jesus who embodies truth and life. Jesus doesn't simply speak the truth. He is the truth. Our age is as cynical as Pontius Pilate who stared at Jesus and sneered. What is truth? We live in an age where truth is malleable, a wax nose, a plastic, elastic concept that can be bent around our whims and wishes. We no longer believe in any absolute sense as though something could be true in itself. For our age, truth is all relative. 
What is true for you is true for you, and what is true for me is true for me. It's all really a matter of opinion, which is why we decide what is true by straw polls and ballots. And of course, the majority is always right, right? Jesus is the truth. He is the absolute truth, the truth beyond which there is no further truth, and the truth to which all truth points. He is truth in the flesh. There is nothing false in him. He is the antidote to the lie that poisoned our humanity and drove us into the wilderness of sin and death. He is the truth of God's love for the world, his passion to save, his mercy towards sinners. Jesus is the life. He is the creator of life, and he himself is life. His words are spirit, and they are life. He is the life that enlivens every living thing. He is the life that death itself cannot overcome. Jesus goes into the death, and death must surrender the spoils. It takes God in the flesh to do this. No one else can. And there is no other way but Jesus, who is the way. There is no other door that leads to life with God than the narrow door of Jesus' death and resurrection. There is no other truth than the words of truth that come from Jesus, words that speak. Jesus speaks not on his own, but with the authority of the Father himself. The Father sends the Son, the Son sends the Spirit, and you are blessed. You are blessed on the receiving end of that speaking. You hear the words of the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And in hearing, you are set on the way, the truth is revealed in you, and you have life. Let not your hearts be troubled. Is your heart troubled by your past? your present, and maybe even your future. A lot of uncertainties out there. What about your sins, your failings, and your death? Whatever the cause of the trouble, whatever the anxiety or trouble or terror or fear, trust the Father. Trust Jesus, his Son. Jesus has gone the way of death and the resurrection to glory and has brought you along with him in his humanity. You are a chosen, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's treasured possession. You are a part of the body of Christ. You are a member of the household of God. You are a priest in the royal priesthood of Jesus. He has gone to prepare a place for you. He will raise you from the dead on the last day so that where he is, you will also be. In him, you are already there. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you have a place. You have a home. In Jesus, you are never lost, but always found. In Jesus, you are never dead, but always alive. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He and no other. Trust him in the name of Jesus. Amen. And the peace of God that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting.